Thank you for joining us. Remember, you can watch our services live and view our archive at StevensCreekChurch.com, the Stevens Creek app, or on our Roku channel. And if our ministries have touched your life, we'd love to hear about it. Send us an email to mystory@stevenscreekchurch.com. We hope today's message encourages and inspires you. Enjoy the message. Well, good afternoon. Welcome to Stevens Creek. I am so glad to have you here. I hope it's been a good week for you. Over the next few minutes, I want to talk about blessing. So let me ask you a question. How many of you feel like you've been blessed by the Lord? Anybody here? Hey, I see that hand. How many of you would say, yes, I've been blessed, but I want to be blessed some more? <laughs> I'll go Pentecostal on you. I got both hands on that one. Yes. You know, when we think about blessing, we use that word a lot. We use that word when somebody sneezes, God bless you. Or we use that word when uh, we go uh, prepare uh, to eat lunch. We'll say the blessing. It reminds me of this five-year-old girl that uh, had watched her mom slave in the kitchen all day long. She was slaving in the kitchen, getting ready for a dinner party that night and trying to make everything right. You know the pressure and the stress of that. And, and by the time the dinner party rolled around, she had just about had it. And they were getting ready to say the blessing. She looked over at her daughter and said, Honey, said, would you say the blessing for us? And it freaked her daughter out. All these strangers were on the table. She said, uh, I, I don't know what to say. She said, Oh, just say what you heard mommy say. And so she bowed her head very respectfully and said, Lord, why did I invite all these people to my house? <laughs> So you have to be careful because kids uh, will repeat us for sure. Uh, Several years ago, my son Sam said, Dad, why do we even say the blessing? And I said, well, we say the blessing because we have a heart of appreciation that God has provided us with everything that we have. But also, we're following in the footsteps of Jesus. Jesus, um, we see examples of him breaking the bread and blessing it. And so we follow in his footsteps when we give honor and glory to God uh, for what he has given to us. And so I want to talk to you just in the next few minutes about blessing. You know, when you drill it down, what does that mean? Blessing means the favor of God. It means that grace, that favor of God that rests over us. It means to speak well of. It means uh, a divine protection, a shield of faith over us, a hedge of protection. And I want the blessing of God in my life, and I want it for you. I want God to bless you in your family. I want God to bless you in your businesses. I want God to bless you in your life. So, but how do you do that? How do you position yourself to receive what God has for you? Over the next few minutes, we want to talk about that. And the very foundation of this message comes from the Old Testament book of Deuteronomy, chapter 28. The first... Uh, Five books of the Old Testament, they call that the books of Moses, the law of Moses. They call it the Torah. It's Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. So we're looking at Deuteronomy chapter 28. And it says, if you fully obey the Lord and carefully keep all of his commands that I'm giving you today, the Lord your God will set you, notice this, he's going to set you high above All the nations of the world. You will experience, notice this, you will experience all these blessings if you obey the Lord your God. You'll experience all these blessings. And then he's going to start to list all of the blessings in just a minute. Now, five times in this passage of scripture, five times 
He says uh, these words, if you obey and carefully keep all the commands, if you'll do this, then I will do that. You see, the promises of God and the blessings of God in your life are not automatic, but they are conditional. And every promise of God has a premise. Every promise has a premise. For instance, here's the premise. If you confess your sins, I will forgive you, right? How about this one? If you will call upon me, I will answer you. Or how about this one? If you will obey me, I will bless you. Every promise has a premise. And I believe that God does want to bless you and pour out his favor on you. He said, you'll experience all of these blessings if you... Obey the Lord your God. What does it say? It says your towns um, and your fields will be blessed. Your children and your crops will be blessed. The offspring of your herds and flocks will be blessed. Your fruit baskets and your breadboards will be blessed. Notice this. Wherever you go and whatever you do, you will be blessed. I want you to receive that today. We have, we have the ability to walk in the blessings or under the favor of the Lord. Very practically, a blessing is when God takes maybe a person or something and he touches it and then he multiplies it. That's God's, how God works. God is in the multiplication business. A blessing is when God takes uh, what a person has He takes what you have, he touches it, and he multiplies it. We see this in that story in Luke where he's feeding. He's been teaching all day, feeding the 5,000, teaching all day and and went to feed the 5,000, didn't have any food. They had uh, two fish and five loaves of bread. Jesus broke it. He blessed it. It multiplied. God's blessing will be multiplied in your life. Now, just very honest here. When you live under the blessings of God, it doesn't mean that you're not going to have difficulty along the way. There will be some days when things just don't work. I mean, you've done everything you can to make it work. And for whatever reason, uh, a problem develops, some kind of difficulty develops. And, and we have to press through that. But here's what we know. That when we go through the struggle and we go through the difficulties, we are not going to walk through it alone. But God is going to walk uh, with us. In fact, he's going to go before us. And I believe the Bible says he's going to be our rear guard. So we don't have to look to the left or to the right. But we learn to focus on our attention on him and wholly follow him. We're going to go through the challenges. But here's what he says in verse 7. It said, the Lord will conquer your enemies. Notice that. The Lord will conquer your enemies. You may not know this, but you have some enemies along the way. You have enemies. You have things that are warring against you. Now, the Bible says that these enemies that we're talking about, they're not flesh and blood. They're not who you think they are. I mean, you think your enemy is that person at work or that person down the street or so forth. But he says that what we're wrestling with is not flesh and blood, but it's against powers and principalities and the wickedness and evil in high places. And so we have an enemy, Satan, and he works against us to try to discourage us and try to defeat us. But he said this, the Lord will conquer. 
The Lord is going to conquer your enemies when they attack you. You will be attacked, but what? The Lord's going to conquer. Things are going to go bad, but what? The Lord's going to conquer. Notice this. I love this verse. They will attack you in from one direction, but when the Lord responds, those enemies are going to scatter, and they're going to scatter in seven different directions. So know that. God is going to protect you. And God is going to see you through. But for every promise, there is a premise. If you obey me and fully keep my commands and walk in my ways, he says the Lord will establish you. Notice that. It says, if you obey my commands of the Lord your God and walk in his ways, the Lord will establish you. I love that word establish because so many times I see people... It seems as if they are floating back and forth, being tossed about by every wind that comes. But God says, you don't have to live that way. He said, you're going to be established. You're going to have a firm foundation. He will establish you as what? As his holy people. He said, wait a minute, I'm not one of those. Yes, you are. When you have been holy means that you've been set apart. You've been set apart. God has set you apart as special. You are special. You are his holy people. As, uh, and he is going to establish you uh, just like he swore he was going to do that. And so when we think about being established, that means that, yes, the winds are going to come. The rains are going to beat against you. But the storms will not take you down because you have been established as a, uh, uh, as a believer in Jesus Christ. And you will get through this in Jesus' name. And so I believe that every one of us can receive the blessing of God if we do six things. And that's what I want to talk to you about. Six things that I believe that we can do in our lives to receive the blessings of God. Here's the first one. God promises to bless my life if I will meet with him daily. God promises to bless my life if I will meet with him daily. Some people call this a quiet time. It doesn't matter what you call it. I just want you to do it. I want you to take five minutes. I want you to take 10 minutes, maybe 15 minutes. And I just want you to be quiet before the Lord. Just carve out time. And when you carve out time, I want you to ask God this question. God, what do you want to say to me today? What do you want to say to me? And then at that moment, just listen. Just be attentive. Just listen. What do you want to say? Now, the, the important thing is to do that, to carve out time. And, and maybe you're like me, you're a morning person. You get up before everybody else and, and you just have this quiet moment. And, God, and you say, God, speak to me today. But some of you are not morning people. Okay? And you get up grumpy and angry and all that stuff. That's, this is not your time. What I want you to do is look at your day and look at... The time of day that you are at your best. And when you are at your best, I want you to have that conversation. But you've got to do that. You've got to carve it out and just make time for God. Here's the second thing. God promises to bless my life if I study and apply his word to my life. I, got to study, I need to study and apply his word. That's why we encourage you to read the Bible. There's nothing like having a Bible in your hand and reading it, but I'm a realist, okay? I'm a realist and know that it is so much easier to pick up your phone or your tablet and read uh, the Bible that way. 
Whatever works best for you, that's what I want you to do. I want to just encourage you to do that. You know, carve out, just read a few verses or a few chapters a day. Maybe you want to join uh, the one-year Bible plan. And you can go to StevensCreekChurch.com and click on that. Or better yet, you can go to the app store and download the Stevens Creek Church app. And you'll see a, a little tab that says one-year Bible reading plan. Or maybe you'll go to version, and you've got your Bible on your phone. I, I have that. And the good thing about that is not only can you read it, but you can hit a button and it will read to you. And so I would just encourage you to get the Bible in your life, in your heart. Apply it to your life. In Psalm chapter 1, it said, Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked, or stand in the way that sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers. We're talking about people who are blessed. So people who are blessed are those who delight in the law of the Lord, and they meditate on his law day and night. Now, I've talked about this several months ago, but I want to circle back about the importance of meditation. Now, we immediately, when we think about meditation, we think of this mental image where we're going to sit on the floor, cross our legs, and we're going to put our hands out, and we're going to clear our mind of everything and not think about anything. And that's meditation. No, that's not meditation. The Bible, when the Bible talks about meditation, meditation simply means to seriously Think about something. You don't have to be sitting. You can stand. You can be uh, driving alone or whatever. But you start to seriously think about it. And so when we look at this passage of Scripture, it said, I want you to meditate on God's law or meditate on His Word. Maybe you take one phrase and said, Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked. Maybe right there you just pause and you think seriously about that. Is there any way that I am walking in step with people that I should not be walking in step with? That's seriously thinking about that. And so you just drill down and you meditate on God's word and you think about it like that. Now, the person, verse 3, uh, <clears throat> is, that person is like a tree that's planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season. In other words, you're going to be productive. You're going to be productive in your life when you put God first. When you read his word, you're going to be productive in, and whose leaf does not wither and what? Notice this, whatever you do will prosper. God will lead you through that and, and you can expect God's word to come back. It will not return void, but it will accomplish the very thing that it has set out to do. The word is powerful. It's quick. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. And I believe the word's going to bring encouragement and strength and stability to your life. Now, we're talking about six things that we can do to receive the blessings of God in our lives. Here's number three. God promises to bless my life if I tithe my income. Now, that word tithe, my income, that may be a familiar word for many of you, but some of you, that's a um, a non-familiar word that you don't really know. You know, they use that word in church and you, it's, but what does that mean? Well, the tithe means a tenth. It's a tithe of, um, it means that you're going to bring back the first part of what I make. All of that goes back to God. In Leviticus chapter 37, uh, 27 and verse 30, it says a tithe of everything from the Lord, from the land, whether the grain from the soil or the fruit from the trees belongs to the Lord the tithe is holy unto the Lord. 
Here's an illustration that might help us see it and make it practical in our lives. So what is a tithe? The Hebrew word for tithe is ma'aser. It means a tenth. Ten percent. So ten percent of everything from the land or from the grain or from the soil belongs to the Lord. It is holy unto the Lord. In Malachi chapter 3 and verse 10, it says, Bring the whole tithe, the whole ma'aser, into the storehouse. Now, the storehouse is the local church. We are going to return to the Lord what is rightfully His. We're going to give. But let's be honest. The more we have, the more difficult it is to give. Now, let's say you make $10 a year. And you're going to tithe on $10. And you say, well, that's not too hard because a tithe on $10 is only a dollar. And what can you do with a dollar? In fact, you may say, you know, I'll just double tithe because I'll give $2 a year. Because what can you do with $2? But let's say you make $10,000 this year and you get your bank statement out and you start to get ready to give a $1,000, and you think, $1,000? I mean, I can do a lot with $1,000. But let's say God really blesses you, and you're at a place in your life where you make $100,000 a year. $100,000. The full tithe of $100,000 is $10,000. And you immediately look at that and said, there is no way, ain't no way I'm going to give away $10,000. Now, as crazy as it sounds, the more money that you make, the harder it is to give. And instead of getting rich, we get selfish. So God will use the tithe to teach us to trust Him, to put Him first. He wants us to organize our lives around Him. Now let's say you have a pie here, and this pie represents your income, okay? And so when you start thinking about your income and you think about the payments, let's say the first piece of the pie represents your mortgage payment. And let's just be honest, I bet that's a big piece of the pie here. So that's your mortgage payment right here. Live in a nice house, don't you? And then the second piece of the pie, this represents maybe your car payment. And let's be honest, some cars, they cost about as much as a mortgage payment, don't they? But the good news is you look good driving around in that car. Okay. Now the third piece of the pie, you've been out shopping, you put a lot of stuff on credit cards, and so all of a sudden those credit card bills, they're coming due. And so that puts uh, a, a damper in your bank account. So those are your credit card payments. And then you got kids, don't you? Your kids are always needing something. They've got to have braces, they've got to have drum lessons, they've got to have something. And so then they want their piece of the pie. And so you give it out to your kids because you love your kids. Okay? 
And then you think, well, I deserve something. I've been working hard. I mean, don't I deserve something? And you cut yourself uh, a modest piece of the pie, but then you start to think, oh my goodness, what about God? What am I going to give God? And you look back and all you have is leftovers. And God gets the leftovers. Now that's not about being rich. That's about being selfish. In fact, he says, bring the first fruit to the Lord. You see, really, God has given us this entire pie. This entire pie represents all of our income. And all of this pie belongs to the Lord. But we have an opportunity to cut out 10% of it. And this 10% represents our first fruits. This 10% represents our tithe. And we are saying to God, God, I thank you for giving me the ability to create wealth. I thank you for your blessings. And I'm going to cut out 10% of it. And I'm going to give this 10% to you. And I'm going to worship you. And I am going to thank you because I believe that tithing helps me organize my life around God. By giving to God first, He actually builds my faith and He teaches me to trust Him. You know what I believe? I believe that 90% with the blessings of God goes further than 100% without the blessings of God. But it takes faith. It takes faith to step out and to give to God first. It doesn't take any faith to give God the leftovers. But when you step out and give to Him first, I believe that's where you will see God move in your life. It's all about trust. Do we really trust God in that area of our lives? And that's a real challenge. Um, but we come to, to take steps to start somewhere. To start with just saying, God, the first fruits, I'm going to trust you with this. It's a funny thing that we're getting ready to, uh, to tape that. And, and that's a reprint of something that I did probably 10, 11 years ago. And so uh, the old one's on YouTube. And so I was uh, watching that this past week. This is the younger version. Okay, not HD. Same table, though. Different colors on the wall. But um, I was watching that just to get my words right. And Patty walked in and just busted out laughing. She didn't say anything. She looked at that and said, like, and started laughing. That's what happens in 10 years, folks. It's going to happen to you, too. And so, oh, well. <laughs> it is what it is. I told her, I said, baby, we're going to grow old together. And she said, it looks like you've already got there. <laughs> no, she didn't say that. <laughs> Just kidding. Here's the point of that. It says we are born selfish. Okay? We're born selfish. Here's what I know. Yesterday we had our two grandsons over to the house. Uh, some is three and a half. Forrest is it two. We're on the back porch. We have toys everywhere, okay? Toys everywhere. A bunch of toys. And it, isn't it strange how we have all these toys, but they want the same one, okay? They want the one. And they will grab it, and what will they say? Mine. You got kids, don't you? Mine. 
You know what? Nobody, we haven't taught our kids to say that. Mine, mine. Not at all. It's in their nature. And so they learn to say mommy, daddy, no, and then mine. Mine's number four, probably. But it's in their nature. And so we are born selfish people. But how about this? We are born again generous. We're born again because that old man inside of us is crucified with Christ. And a new person rises up in us. And so we have this love and we have this compassion and we have this generosity and we have this peace that flows through us. And so when we're born again, we're put, his spirit lives in us. Now it's interesting here, every promise, there is a premise. Now the promise is if we'll return to the Lord the tithe, what does he say? Malachi says, I'm going to throw open the windows of heaven. I'm going to pour out blessing on you. So much blessing that you will not even be able to hold it all. I've seen that happen in so many families in this congregation. So many testimonies right here in this room of people who have seen God's faithfulness in their lives. And so I just want to encourage you. God promises to bless my life if I tithe my income. Here's number four. God promises to bless my life if I help others in need. God wants me to help people who are less fortunate than I am. God wants me to help people that are less fortunate. In Psalm chapter 41, it said, Blessed is he who considers the poor. The Lord will what? Deliver him in the time of trouble. Notice that. If you're generous and help take care of people who are less fortunate... When you go through hard times, God's going to come through. He said, the Lord will deliver him in times of trouble. The Lord will uh, preserve him and keep him alive. And what? And he will be blessed, what? On the earth. So many times we preach from the New Testament that we say we're going to lay up treasures in heaven where moth and rust uh, cannot destroy. And those are true, that we are looking forward to a, um, uh, our time in heaven. But what does he say here? If you take care of people who are less fortunate, if you take care of the poor, you're going to see blessings on the earth. And so just consider that, that a generous man will be blessed uh, as he shares his food with the poor. And that's why here at Stevens Creek, we try to be very intentional to help in that area. That's why over two years ago, we started the Augusta Dream Center. And just in the calendar year of 2018, we served over 15,000 people through the Dream Center. It's an important part that we are shining a light and giving hope to people who are in crisis. And that's why I'm so proud of Kelly and uh, all the team that's putting together uh, the Cinderella Day. We're just kind of walking through, just being, helping to meet a very practical need. Yeah, we help with food every week. We help with clothing. But this just is something that means a lot to a teenager. And so what if we could walk along and be very practical? And, and uh, you have uh, rolled up your sleeve and you've volunteered uh, and you've given. And so just thank you. I just think God will honor that. I think about uh, the work that we do in Guatemala with Casa Shalom. I think about... Uh, the, how many folks have sponsored kids there? They've sponsored kids through Compassion International. We're taking care of the poor. I think about the Church of God Home for Children, the orphanage in South Carolina. I think about all those things that you, as a part of this congregation, that you're a part of making a difference 
in the lives of people who are less fortunate. And I think God's going to honor that. And God's going to give you your blessing. Here's number five. God promises to bless my life if I share the good news. God is looking for people who will share his good news. Now, this, let's be practical. If you had a cure for cancer, okay, or maybe you had a cure for AIDS, and you had this cure for cancer or this cure for AIDS, but you didn't share it with anybody, you kept it just for you and your family, that, that wouldn't be good, would it? That's not a good thing to do. Because you, need, you have the power to help people. You can heal cancer or you can heal AIDS. Yes, you've got the power to do that. And of course, you would want to help as many people as possible. Here's where I'm going with this. You have the power of the good news of Jesus Christ. The good news that will bring forgiveness and the good news that will bring freedom and the good news that will bring hope and peace. And we have this opportunity uh, to have conversations this week with people and we need to share the good news. In fact, Easter's coming up in about five or six weeks. And more people are thinking about God and Jesus in the church during this season than any other time of the year except maybe Christmas Eve. And so their interest, it's on their mind. So we just need to, uh, when those conversations develop, that we just say, hey, why don't you come to church with me Sunday? That we say, hey, why don't you come to church with me Sunday? In fact, if you say that this way, hey, why don't you come to church with me this Sunday? Uh, you're going to hear Pastor Dave Willis speak next Sunday. And so we're going to welcome Dave and Ashley and all four of their boys back next Sunday. And so you need to be here. But we have this opportunity to, to welcome uh, people into the family of God and, and to share the good news. And in Mark chapter 16, it says, Go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. Our entire world needs Jesus. And we have the message. And I just want to encourage you to do that. There's a question I heard some time ago that really speaks to me and makes me think. And maybe it'll make you think. Is anybody going to heaven because of you? Well, that's a, that's a heavy question, isn't it? Is anybody going to heaven because of you? I mean, when you get to heaven, will there be somebody that will come up to you and say, thank you? Thank you for inviting me to, uh, to Sunday school. Or thank you for inviting me to uh, kids ministry. Or thank you for uh, picking me up and taking me to the Stevens Creek students. Thank you for inviting me to your small group. Thank you for making sure that, that I was at church that day to hear the message, the life-changing message of Jesus. Thank you for helping me during this crisis and through that. I was open to hear the message. Do you see what I'm saying? Is there anybody going to heaven because of you? You know, we have this opportunity this week to share the good news. Now we've got to take responsibility to do it. Here's the sixth and final one as we close it out. God promises to bless my life if I participate in fellowship. If I participate in fellowship. Now that's a that's a spiritual term, fellowship, koinonia. It's about, it's about spiritual fellowship. It's about being a part of the church. It's about being a part of a family, a spiritual family. 
Because you see, many of the blessings of God are stored up and they're released through other people. That other people will be a blessing to you. And you will be a blessing to other people. And there's something about gathering together as the church. Here's what I know. That you have the Spirit of God in you. And you have the Spirit of God in you. And yes, back on the back, you've got the Spirit of God in you. And yes, you have the Spirit of God in you. And you have the Spirit of God in you. And when we gather together, there's something about God's favor and God's blessing and God's anointing that it comes here that the word says where two or three are gathered in his name that his very presence is here and when we come into the church we sense that we may not be able to define it or or pinpoint it but we sense that God is moving in this place and how does God move he moves through love And God wants you as a part of the fellowship, as a part of the church, to learn how to love one another. To learn how to love. When we first started the church, we had small groups. And back in those days, we called them kinship groups. Today, we call them small groups. Because kinship is not something that people understand. But it is something powerful, though. When When there's an accident... What do they say? Oh, we need to notify the next of kin. They say that. We need to notify the next of kin. What they're saying is, we want to find the people, uh, that person that matters the most. We're going to find that family member that matters the most. The next of kin. The Bible says that we are like that in the church. That we are like kin we have kindred spirits. We are part of the fellowship. We are part of a spiritual family. And that this is a place where love prevails. And I believe that it's in this place that you can find friendship and you can find relationships that are more like family. Now, there's a danger in, in our uh, world of technology. There's a danger that we look at church worship as preaching all as uh, content that we can download. And I love the fact that you can download, you'll be able to download this message through a podcast later this week. You'll be able to watch this message online later this week. I love the fact that we can communicate. That there are people watching us right now. But there's nothing like being in the room. There's nothing like rubbing shoulders with other people who are in the struggle with you. There's nothing more than having all of a sudden your uh, view of the world changed because you stood in, in the presence of the Lord and you said, oh, what a mighty God he is. It starts to change you. When you are worshiping one with another, it changes you from the inside out. It starts to uh, give you strength and encouragement that you walk out of this place not like you walked in because you walk out with the uh, having been in the presence of the Lord and being affirmed by hundreds of people. And God blesses you that way.
as I participate in the church. Well, like we started, a blessing is when God takes what a person has and he multiplies it to meet a need. God wants to bless you today. God wants to pour out his favor, his protection, his presence on you. Are you ready to receive it? Are you ready? Are you ready to receive it? Are you ready to say, God, speak to me? God, speak to me. Because to some of you, God is speaking and he is saying to you today, today is your day to take that step. Today is your day to give your life to Jesus. Today is that day to pray that prayer. To say, Jesus, save me. We've got several people right after this service that have prayed that prayer and they're going to go through the waters of baptism to announce it to this community that that they have prayed that prayer. Have you? There's some of you that you've prayed that prayer and you've been a part of the, the fellowship. You've been a part of the church. But for whatever reason, you've been pushing against that. You've been pushing against uh, God and the church. And you and, and you found yourself away from where you need to be. And I would just simply say to you, it's time to come back. It's time to come home. Today, let this be the day that you come home. I want to pray for you. And I want to lead you in prayer. And I just want you to be receptive to God's presence as he comes. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for this opportunity that we all have to be in your presence. And there are people here today that have never made a decision to follow you. And so they're going to pray right now. And so I ask God that you would touch them as they pray this prayer. Say, say, Jesus, say this. Say, help me. Say this. Say, Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Save me. I want you to say this. Say, Jesus, make me into the kind of person that you would have me to be. Father, say, pray those prayers. I ask that your presence would come. I pray, Father, not only for them, but I pray, God, for the families in this room that are struggling. Those families that are struggling with medical issues, those families that are struggling with financial issues, those families that feel that the weight of the world is on them. I pray in the name of Jesus that you would lighten their load. I pray, God, that you would allow that spirit of protection and that spirit of grace to cover them and that you would push back the darkness. Father, I pray that you would push that back the darkness and where the enemy has come in one direction. In the name of Jesus, we push back the darkness and we're going to see the enemy flee in seven different directions. God, we declare in your name that we have victory and we're going to stand here in victory today. So God, we receive what you have for us and we pray this in the strong name of Jesus. And everybody said... Amen, amen, amen. Be blessed today. Thanks for listening. If you would like to help support the ministries of Stevens Creek Church, please go to StevensCreekChurch.com and click the Give button. See you next time.